Hello and welcome to episode 15 of All's Fair in Love and Film, a film review podcast where we go through our DVD collection in alphabetical order, reviewing each one as we go. I'm Laura. And I'm Ryan. And this week we're covering Animal House, directed by John Landis. Ryan, what is your history with this film? Um, the I remember first seeing this film the year before I went to uni, and I remember one of my friends showed it to me, and I remember the whole entire time watching it, I just remembered like, oh, this is referenced in an episode of Futurama that 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 I watched, or and like I kind of saw other like major cultural references in it, but it was not what I was expecting. But at the same time, it, there were parts of it that were quite good, especially the last sequence had you only watched it that like one time or have you watched it a few times over the years or i've seen it a few times since but it's generally been either on the on in the background at like a party or something like that or it was i remember uh fuck we me and one of my mates and and like our second year of uni decided to um marathon like all like all the uni films that we could find just because we thought it would be a a, a fun evening yeah no that that sounds like i bet that's like what a lot of people's experience with this movie is you know it's one that you throw on the background of parties it's one that if you're like with a group of friends and you you're all kind of teenage or college age it's going to be one that you will go yeah let's all watch that that's funny you know um i had never seen this film until we watched it for the podcast uh obviously I've seen it referenced everywhere. Obviously, that episode of Futurama is is a big one. And, you know, the whole, like, toga party reference. Everyone knows, like, that's kind of from Animal House. But I don't really know. I knew it was, like, a frat boy movie. And that's all I felt like I needed to know until until we watched it. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you want to go through a little overview? A little summary before we get into it. Don't mind if I do. So, uh, the Delta Tau Chi fraternity at Faber College is the bane of the Dean's existence, but its members don't attend class, are the source of endless pranks on campus, and have broken every rule imaginable. As a group, they have a negligible GPA, and their main reason for living is to party. When the Dean finds a way to expel them all, the Delta Tau Chi decide to give the college a homecoming parade they will never forget. It's an interesting one to try and summarise. I just lifted that summary from IMDb because it's kind of... There's not really... Other than their, like, failing grades, which is brought up early on, there's not really a through line that lasts to the end of the movie. No, no. It, it like, it doesn't actually feel like it's got a really strong, cogent plot either. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it just feels very student filmy in a, oh, yeah. in a very, like... At this point, I, in retrospect, I have to say it's very much a John Landisy thing. Yeah, I was about to say we we said that a lot when we were talking about an American werewolf in London, and I just wonder if it's a directorial choice or maybe something to do with the resources he selects. But um, yeah, it's got that kind of slightly amateurry vibe to it, which I think is kind of in keeping with the like the subject yeah the content exactly that's the word i was reaching for thank yeah, you but uh, i i do think like i think this is a good like first film for a director like okay you can kind of like there's some aspects of it from a cinematic point of view they're like okay like you it does kind of like it it works but yeah it, it, it's very 
boring and and so like for, for, from a cinematic point of view it, it is kind of boring i don't know it, it's... i would agree with it from a story point of view i like i i just want to kind of hit on a few points that i as a brief overview like my gut reaction before kind of digging into the minutiae of the thing i really like the sets like the use of space and different spaces yeah was good like i, I like the frat house kind of i really like that um yeah i liked because there was a lot of interior shots and they're all really well like placed in in locations and i think it's because you know it was probably filmed on a university well, campus the, i didn't actually look into it the, the 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 set dressings were also really good as well yeah yeah no it was it was really well set um but it was kind of dull but then again i might be just a bit jaded because you know films from you know more recent times are just a bit more punchy and i've got a bit more of a soft spot for your kind of like sci-fi fantasy action films maybe it's just me being like oh anything that isn't exploding is boring that might just be a comment on me rather than on the film no i i I do i I agree with like it's kind of got like a lot of films from this era kind of have like a very like have kind of have like through colors that kind of like are a little bit more accentuated or something like uh, or or something like that it just feels really like they didn't really have the resources to do that so it didn't kind of like pop in the way that we think of a lot of cinema it felt more kind of like not documentary ish but kind of more like uh, i hate to say it, like this voyeuristic cinema where it's more of just like okay you're kind of just like along for the ride like it, i think it's meant to kind of like get you in the like that you are in the in the frat too i don't know it, yeah like, i mean i see where that for where you're coming from with that i mean i was more talking about like the story yeah. the story was not interesting to me no no, no. um and like yeah so i, I that was it i mean what you're saying is very true as well like visually it wasn't i was very easily distracted from it there was nothing kind of grabbing me and my kind of final like overarching point is that the the content of this film is uh kind of offensive and bad within the first 10 minutes it managed to be sexist racist and homophobic so that's you know the big three and i know like there's a lot of comments you can make about it being a product of its time or anything but in 2021 that's not an excuse uh it's just like the the some of the things that are said in this film are not acceptable and i would hope that you know teenagers of now wouldn't watch it i i guess i would say that they should watch it but like just for the uh just for the how because of how influential it is but i do think that those uh, those aspects of the film need to be taken not with context but with uh, they need to be contextualized in a way that it shows them to be very bad and to be very that they that those aspects are problematic you know yeah. like like I, I i i like i do think that this this film does have some redeeming aspects enough of it that are kind of like okay this is important this is kind of quintessential in a lot of like modern comedy like this is where I get like where you get a lot of aspects that we still have today now, but yeah, some parts of it are really really messed up or really really problematic. You know, it's it's still watchable in this day and age. I think. Eh, I I mean, 
I would say that we probably like could agree to disagree with that or maybe you've got like a bit more kind of cultural context because i don't understand the american greek system like at all i did not go to a university with the greek system yeah but i think it's more in your kind of cultural zeitgeist whereas for me it's like almost a mythological thing in films because we don't have anything like it i mean other than maybe the bullingdon club is kind of like a frat what the hell is that oh um we've got to watch the riot club it's it's brilliant um, it's the elite social group at Oxford College that David Cameron, Boris Johnson, um, all of your kind of elite conservative politicians belong to. Okay, gotcha. Like most members had that you had to be rich and you most members went to Eton yeah, yeah, you know, school and they would do things like they'd rent restaurants and trash them and set fire to money in front of homeless people and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, that kind of very similar to the it Greek, was like Greek a, system. Yeah, really posh frat, essentially. Yeah. But that's not even, you know, there's like only one or two movies about that. The one I just mentioned, The Riot Club, kind of alludes to it. And it's a very good film. I actually think we should we should get that on DVD. It's yeah, good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a whole world of like, for me, or the whole American high school thing, I watched, you know, films when I was a younger teenager, like, mean girls and like 10 things i hate about you and things like that you know they're set in an american high school and there is so much about that like the cliques and the jocks and the cheerleaders and the like lockers and the you know long tables in the cafeteria and the mascot and the pep rallies and stuff like that i honestly or to me all of that could have been made up I don't know how much of it is exaggerated for films. And my relationship with, like, the Greek system is the same. I know it from, you know, Legally Blonde and and Accepted and, you know, stuff like that. I, do, I don't know it in context of, like, I don't know anyone who's ever belonged to a fraternity or a sorority. I, I know a few, and I will say not all, 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 all of the Greek houses, like, not all frat houses and sororities are like this. I do think that they are, like... In cinema, they tend to be kind of um, hi- not hyper uh, hyper stylized or or kind of like really blown exaggerated. exaggerated. Yeah, that's the word I'm thinking of. Um, ex- exaggerated to kind of like be this overly social, like getting drunk, you know, doing bad th- bad things. But I, I there are I know a lot of uh, sororities and fraternities that are actually really good that like do actually foster a good um academic kind of culture and like uh, uh, yeah i know uh, like there's like the honor fraternities there's like engineering fraternities and stuff like that it, it's not just the social fraternities that we see here you know yeah and i think that's kind of what i wanted to hear because again like i don't know how much of this is accurate and how much of it is not but i i can surmise you know as a film viewer and human um that it probably is blown a bit out of proportion but it's just like it's such a bizarre thing to like watch sit and watch animal house and know that it is not entirely based in fiction it's really like for me as an english person it's it's weird like it's really really odd but um i i do see how like a lot like a lot of the american education system does feel very plasticky and kind of intangible and like to you it, it it is i mean it's it's kind of in the same way that harry like in the states harry potter's kind of like structure 
feels like the Hogwarts structure feels very alien to us but yeah. like but there, there's like tendrils of it that you can identify with yeah no i've actually heard discussions i listened to a couple of podcasts that talk about you know fiction fantasy and one that talks quite heavily about harry potter and that's something that's come up on that podcast because it's by an american guy and his whole thing is like why would they sort them into houses why do they wear these robes and ties and things and it's like well actually there are private schools in the uk that sort you into houses not obviously based on oh you are brave therefore you are a gryffindor they don't get it out of a talking hat either but it there are like there is like a house system to a lot of these schools and uniforms and then colored ties based on what house you're in and things like that so yeah okay I, yeah, looking at it in those terms i, I get it yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um so my my first kind of page of notes is literally all about like because this first bit we have the first scene they're trying to pledge the really um you know the flat the, the frat that they later refer to as the hitler youth which is fully accurate uh, um, Omega. yeah they're trying to pledge the omega frat and this is where we meet a lot of our like antagonists of the story there's all these guys who want to like be in the military and i think this is why our like kind of two protagonists whose names escape me oh larry and uh, I've just remembered about them as Pinto and Flounder. Pinto and Flounder. There you go. So they're trying to originally pledge Omega Frat because they want to join the army and they're in the officers program at the university. Oh, uh, no, no. Just Flounder is. Just Flounder is? Oh, yeah. okay. Fair. But I guess that's why he wants to pledge that frat because the guy who runs that frat is in the military program and he's like the arms he, he, sergeant or I, something. I think he's like the... the sergeant the, the to arms. Of, the, I think he's the officer of the... No, he's the so he he was the sergeant at arms. That's what they called him a lot in the okay. trial bit later. Oh, okay, never mind. Anyway, he's that. He has a horse. It's very impressive. But they're trying to pre pledge his frat, and the only people they're letting in are like cool dudes, and the they judge uh, the people who are later nicknamed Pinto and Flounder to be too nerdy and too fat and too this and too that. So they immediately put them in the corner with the other like people who are like undesirable to the to the frat. And um, every person of color in the scene is in the undesirables corner, which, wow. Even for 1978, that is a fucking move considering there are no more people of color in the entire film. It's like, yeah, you can be in the movie for three seconds while we use this like That's very like obvious staging to make it like to put you in the kind of oh you're in the people who we don't want to join this frat corner i mean there are more people of color in this film later on who they go to a bar oh yeah okay i get but then yeah yeah it's it's the color the color of the people in the bar later is played for a joke yeah and it's not yeah it's, it's like, yeah. okay, you're allowed to be black in this movie if you are, like, intimidating, threatening, or a jazz musician. You're allowed to be, um, you know, they any other kind of color of person if you are, you know, highlighting the whiteness of everybody else in the room and you're gone after no lines and three seconds on screen. Again, yes, this film is very problematic. It's super but... problematic. What what I hated about this the most, though, is that they point out this frat are basically Nazis because they don't like the brown people. But then you go to the next frat and there's no nothing pointing out that these guys are racist, but neither do they have any people of color in their frat. They also have 
Confederate flags on the on their walls as well. Yeah, and that yeah. Oh my god, there was but, a there's a there's a scene later on uh, during the toga party when they go up to one of the rooms and there's a fucking Confederate flag on the wall. How fucked up is this? 1978. You need to sort your shit out. Ugh. Yes, but at the same time, also consider cultural context and like, like yes, th- like it it was it was it was not right, you know. But I guess given the cultural context of the time like yeah, yeah it, it's it, it's it's happened you know like yeah okay but, um uh, just like so i don't get kind of off track again basically the first couple of scenes are they try to pledge omega they're made to feel very unwelcome they're they're walking out and they hear a party going on at the delta 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 tau kai frat house and it seems really raucous um the guy who's then becomes flounder goes oh this was my brother's frat i'm a legacy they'll have to take us and they go to the rush party and they're gonna try and pledge delta instead and um that's basically the first couple of scenes we get introduced to all of our like key characters during this time and basically i guess i was kind of bowled over by the amount of awful lines said by characters and awful things that happen in this first couple of scenes that do you have any good take-homes from these bits of the film? Um, I do kind of like the establishing and introduction shots to a few of the characters because it what it does kind of like this like it was a really good buildup of character from a from a directorial point of view. Like D Day, like as soon as he drives up the fucking stairs on his motorbike, you get immediately what kind of person he is. Yeah, I actually I did like that. I liked that character he, throughout, yeah, but he's he, not. He, he he didn't say any fucking lines. He just did. Yeah. But you still you, you, you like he had more character than so many other films, like modern films that are a lot more expositiony with uh, dialogue. Mm. But you can kind of get like there's a lot of character depth just in that like that that, yeah. that, that that's pretty impressive bluto yeah, i'll give you that like the, the way bluto's inter- introduced just like the, he he's pissing on a on a um on a car or something like that and, and just turns continues around. pissing <laughs> <laughs> onto pinto onto pinto's uh, feet which i think is one of our first like introductions of jokes that you see in loads of movies yeah loads of comedies have that same joke oh the guy who's way too drunk is pissing in the corner someone says his name or taps on the shoulder and he continues pissing while he turns around to address them yeah um i will say as well though the omega frat scene they've pretty much lifted that as a carbon copy into accepted yeah the rush party that schrader is trying to get pledged to it's like the same the same kind of jokes are made, the same like character archetypes are introduced. It was pretty much like the whole thing was lifted. But again, I kind of preferred the set dressing of these ones because it was in accepted. It's like that frat house is unrealistically grandiose. It's insanely beautiful. It looks like a stately home. Whereas the Omega one in in Animal House is obviously nice, but it's not. It's you know realistically, it's a campus building. There are, um, well, I mean, generally frat houses aren't really on on campus. Uh, like they can be on the campus, but sometimes they can be off off campus as well. Yeah. 
I which makes s- more uh, sense yeah. for it not to be like yeah. a fucking stately home. I will say that I have seen some pretty, pretty impressive, like, uh, frat houses. Like, especially in Seattle, there's a few that are just like, wow, that looks like a proper, like, manor. Like, it, That's insane. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know. But it is... <laughs> It is what it is. It but, is uh, what it is. Yeah, getting back to kind of like Sorry. some of the some of the good points in this first scene, you also have like, like I, again, I think you're meant to identify with some of the character, like some of the initial characters of, um, that oh, characters of Delta House, like uh, like Hoover, like everyone's uh, everyone's got that kind of like nerdy, really on it friend who actually you know, is trying to get shit done, but it's also really, you know, affable and kind of just yeah. really friendly. That's him. I mean, he, yeah, I liked yeah, him, but like in, I mean, the, you kind of get the whole range of everybody in that, in that scene. Yeah. yeah. But some of the comments that are made are just fucking horrible. That being said, I will say the other thing I do like is Marion Ravenwood from Indiana Jones is in the film. Yeah, it's not her character's name from I don't Indiana know her actual Jones. name. Um, I can't remember. It was literally just on the screen a second ago. Hang on. Um, but yeah, no, she's great. The only, like, again... This is pre-Indiana Jones as This well. was pre-Indiana Jones. She's great. This is probably, like, the, the probably her first big film, I would guess. And um, again, though, she's introduced, and we get introduced in the Omega frat scene to a couple of like girls and they're basically just there as set dressing like the, the men in the scene are treating them as set dressing uh karen allen that's her name okay um but then in when we come to the delta house there are lots of girls there but they're not just you know being flirted with or like there as kind of objects just hanging on guys arms they're all you know there's a couple of them drinking they're all like talking to you know each other and in groups of guys and everything like that and she seems like pretty cool and pretty easy going but then she immediately makes a gay joke which is like come on guys but brushing swiftly past that she's made out to seem pretty cool but then as soon as her boyfriend starts talking about her he talks about her like she's an absolute shrew and then throughout the rest of the movie of course she is just an obstacle to his fun which (laughs) come on yeah i mean he to be honest again a lot of the characters in this film really are not all that redeemable because they're kind of just dickheads everyone in this film is a dickhead yeah but um i don't know it's it's yeah let's let's move on yeah oh the next scene that I like, I liked was um, we then go to the dean's office where yeah. he's talking about how Delta House are awful and they're all failing school. Um, their behavior is deplorable and he wants to find a way to kick them off campus by putting them on super secret probation, super secret double probation or something, which I found great. But it's also the, the framing of that and how, how he's talking, his tone. He is like properly a maniacal villain at that point. He's like Dr. Evil and it's hilarious. Yeah, it's it, it's it's super, super call like it's like one of the most quintessential like aspects of this film because that like that tone to tonation and kind of like overall like characters been parodied in so many other films yeah, for sure. so many like especially in accepted in futurama like 
oh yeah. my god like any any university film posts this yeah you've got the, the dean yeah, yeah, yeah. i yeah. mean oh god is it, but it, i just lo- liked it was really funny he was like hyperbolically vil- villainous in that scene he's doing all but you know you know doing the thing where they like tap their fingers together and like well, hmm, I well, yeah evil. i just love how much he just insults uh the fucking blonde what's his guy uh, what's his face that the president of of omega house yeah he just insulted him you're a, come on don't be a halfwit you know? yeah <laughs> like, just, it's like oh he's just mean to everybody yeah. which is funny um yeah i i really love the recurrence of the song louis louis throughout these first kind of bits i think that's great the bit where they're all um so they they obviously choose who's gonna join the frat and they pick both um pinto and flounder i i do like the fact that they pick flounder even though they fucking hate his brother (laughs) they're like hey he's an absolute basket case we won't let him (laughs) yeah well they're like no he's a legacy and none of you i i actually i actually really like this bit i've got to say because at first they, they they have a slideshow where they're picking people to um freshmen to join their frat and as soon as his face comes up on screen like none of them really know a lot about him they don't at that point i don't even think they know he his brother is who he is they just judge him because he's chubby and looks nerdy and they throw beer at the picture and they boo him and stuff but then the guy um otter jumps up and he's like no no okay he's a legacy and they're all like yeah but his brother's a dick and then he's like yeah but you were a dick when you were a freshman. You were a nerd when you were a freshman. Let's like make him cool like us by letting him join the frat. And I thought that was quite nice. Yeah. That yeah. was cool. Um, and then they obviously go and get them by waking them up with fire extinguishers, which, you know, I- chemical burns. Ow. Oh, it, it, it's <laughs> a bit, probably powder, so they're fine. Um, I thought powder was the worst one. No, no, no. I don't know anything about no, fire um, extinguishers, except that they extinguish fire. Yeah. Um, I do love the dichotomy in the hazing scenes. Like, yeah, be, be, oh God, because that, y- you, you get this like really like chill like um like like in the delta house they're just like um just kind of like just really really lackadaisically inducting them you know like making up the words and stealing them is it from the pledge of allegiance yeah yeah with with uh with freedom and fraternity for all <laughs> just like, yeah and he's, exactly. and, he's, and he's wearing like the, the uh, viking the, hat which yeah oh bad look for 2021 bad, man well, bad well, look for 2021 yeah but <laughs> but then good that was pretty fucking on, on point for that yeah um, and they're all in their pajamas and dressing gowns <laughs> and they start they get drunk and start singing louis louis yeah, again it's so uh, well, good and they're and the, and the guys just shake the beer and spray it like a champagne it's, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's, hate it's, that. Uh, it's funny as hell but then you get this instant dichotomy of Kevin Bacon getting spanked with a paddle. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, just, yes, sir. May I please have another? It's just like I hate that scene so much. It's so uncomfortable. It, it's it, just like it, it. It's I know that it's because of how they've framed it, and beside the like more chill friendly like delta version of doing it it's like obviously this is the version we're meant to support and this is the version that we're meant to be against which is good but like hazing scenes like that always make me so uncomfortable it's just like all that like willing degradation and the whole weird spanking thing and the like just continual degradation of the person who it's being done to it's just like it just makes me really uncomfortable and i hate it i hated it hated it and accepted and i hate it in this well the the uh, 
hazing like there there is real hazing in real life i mean it's illegal um it, at like almost all universities well yeah because it, it like it's, literally it's has led up. to students yeah. dying yeah yeah exactly and like i remember i know that there's a hazing thing a case of ha- like hazing that got really out of hand in, in washington state obviously not at my university but it was like it, it's a really really detrimental thing um Follow it on. I will say, kind of like using the dichotomy, like the like I'm sorry, the hazing scene is kind of like a a example of like the dichotomy between the two the two um the two groups. You do kind of see that thread of like the the differences between the two kind of groups throughout the whole film. I will say that that's kind of one of the old like one of the central threads like mm. to this film. Not I just thinking about that yeah no I, I i would definitely agree with you it's used to like highlight the differences and kind of how we're meant to enjoy the antics of delta house and disagree with the yeah weird Ro- rooting for the underdogs everything effectively. yeah about omega house um the next kind of significant scene i didn't think it needed to be in the movie uh, apart from to have donald sutherland in it more was the scene where they get high with their professor. I really like that because it was... Because it's just... Donald, Donald Sutherland plays the stoned professor so well. Yeah, it's it was... I've not seen him in a lot of things beyond, you know, what he's been in in recent years. So I've seen him in, like, The Hunger Games. The Italian Job. And the Italian... I love The Italian Job. I can't wait to cover The Italian Job. But anyway, he's great in both of those films. I've never seen him in anything before his hair was grey. So for me, it was, like, really weird. He looks like my granddad. A bit, yeah. In like pictures of my granddad when he was young, looked like that, and it was really weird for me, and I didn't like it. <laughs> That's fair. That I, I I get that. Um, I do kind of feel like this maybe was a whole like they just had this scene just to shoehorn uh, Donald Sutherland into the film because yeah, prior to this he 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 was I mean he still is a quite a big actor yeah know? for sure um but yeah I, I just love just the whole bit with like donald sutherland and pinto just like kind of like feeding off each other about like oh my god so like there could be a whole universe in my fingernail like what <laughs> yeah, proper <laughs> you know educated stoner talk yeah. it's, oh, it's yeah. very tropey and that's the kind of thing that's in a lot of yeah. you know college comedies after that point it's like the trope of getting high and you know unlocking the secrets of the universe yeah. but this is at the point at this point in the movie this is where it becomes like kind this is what i was saying at the beginning where the only through line is at the beginning their bad grades are mentioned and at the end their bad grades are you know brought up again but this is the kind of part of the film where it just kind of goes into a series of vignettes throughout the college year and i'm kind of that kind of thing can work. It reminded me a lot of um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Which yeah, very much so. I really like that film. I think that film is great. And that was, um, I want to say 1982. So it's very shortly after this came out. And it's a really similar style. And it's just zooming in on little bits of these characters' lives throughout the school year. But what Fast Times at Ridgemont High does more successfully than Animal House there are quite a lot of similarities between the two. There's like a lot of, you know, young people behaving badly, essentially. But what the where the success of Fast Times at Ridgemont High is in those vignettes, it focuses on 
the relationships being built between the characters. Yeah. And it makes you care about the characters more. It makes you, you know, root for them to win at the end. Whereas you see a lot of things like the next kind of fun scene is um, them stealing the horse, the horse, and putting I it really, in the dean's really office. I really, really like that scene. It's very funny, but it doesn't build any kind of relationship with the characters. And then beyond what archetype those characters are fulfilling, I still don't really know a lot about them. Yeah, I, I I know that they're funny, but then I knew that from the first scene that I met them. I don't know any more about them really uh, during this horse scene. But it, uh, that being said, I wouldn't do without this scene. It's very good. Yeah, I, I do think that this kind of, I think this whole scene is meant to kind of put tension between, um, oh god, uh, uh, Flounder and Niedermeyer. That's the whole point of it. Yeah, but the the tension is there from the like army yeah, training yeah, yeah, yeah. scene where they like humiliate him, and then when Niedermeyer humiliates him, and then um, Bluto and the other guy whose name escapes me because they all blur into one because they have no real defining characteristics. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, they like egg him on to get revenge, and then the shenanigans with the horse ensue, and it was just. Like it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I really, it's it's very funny. Like the physical comedy part where Bluto's like wearing the kind of spy gear with the turtleneck and the hat, and he's like Mission Impossible style, kind of across the like green when they sneak this horse out. It's very good. Yeah, it's it's very very well done, and yeah, it's, it's so quintessential. Uh, like com, like it's such a staple of like a lot of modern comedy as well. So yeah. it's still parodied. <laughs> but like. Outside of, there's one scene kind of close to the beginning where Otter and um, Katie's boyfriend, whose name I di- don't think I learned through the whole movie. Boone. Boone. That's this fucking name. Um, there's like one scene where they kind of converse and establish that they have like a friendship. And then we obviously get a bit of um, Flounder and Pinto kind of conversing and being like, because they're the new guys, so they've got a bit of a relationship. But beyond that, between these kind of fun times vignettes we don't really get any emotional depth from these characters which maybe for this genre of film isn't necessary but i just again last times at richmond high did it well i i do think that the fast fast times at richmond high had a bit of a more experienced cast as well you Mm. like it had also a bit of a better overall direction and yeah, and I, it's got the kind of coming of age narrative as well, yeah. whereas we're at this point meant to be kind of past that and back. Like the coming of age narrative has some overlap with the college narrative, but this it's not the exact same genre. I I guess just like stylistically, and kind of the age of the film and the age of the characters is similar enough that I I'm I guess I'm seeing more similarities than are perhaps uh, deliberate. So maybe I'm just getting hung up on that, but it's just, I would just maybe like just even just more camaraderie between them because they, they get floundered to like, they're trying to get him to shoot this horse and it's like funny between the two of them because they like, they know it's blanks in the gun, but it maybe and then they have the funny scene where they like, obviously the horse dies, but he doesn't shoot at it. It dies of a heart attack and they all freak out and run away. But like maybe after they've run away and got back to the frat house, just a moment of like levity between the three of them, of the three of them kind of sharing a moment of just laughing about it and being like, oh, that was a close one. You know, the three of them have had this experience together and now 
they are closer frat brothers for it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like a big emotional outpouring. Just something like that. Just to bond them more as friends. Yeah, I I do think that would have been more constructive. But then again, I, I, I do think it's... I think it's kind of a sign of some... Again, a director and a writing team that just still were really starting out, I think. Yeah, maybe it's that, maybe it's that. But I guess they like they wanted to shoehorn more little vignettes. And I guess an example of like something that this movie could really have done without, and I'm not going to dwell on it too hard. Um, shortly after this, we get, you know, Bluto causing chaos in the cafeteria with his like food fight scene. And that's, again, very slapstick, very Charlie Chaplin kind of funny yeah that's fine him, him we'll stealing all in. the food that i thought that oh, yeah. i thought that was great i like, thought that was way too drawn out when he's just taking all the food and, like piling up i was like oh god i could be like balancing my checkbook during this time i don't even have a checkbook but i'll get one to balance it just so i have something to do while he piles food on his fucking tray um but yeah very shortly after that we get the scene where um bluto goes to the sorority house and he climbs up the ladder and he's spying on all the girls getting yeah, changed that was really unnecessary it's so unnecessary but it's like fully like it's male gaze on all levels it's male gaze for the character who's in the scene it's male gaze for the men who are watching the film and it's male gaze for the men who are behind the camera and it's just like none of that's necessary like it's just an excuse to get tits on the screen None of those girls are given any depth or character and they're only in this film so that we can see them naked. And it's just uncomfortable. And that whole scene could have been taken out in theory, in favour of just developing the group dynamic in the Delta frat house more. Yeah. And I- that's all I want to say on the subject. It was yeah. wrong. It was awful. It wasn't framed as being as bad of a thing as it should have been framed as. And let's move on. Yeah, Okay. Um, I mean, realistically, was I see the issue with this kind of structure that you that that's kind of like more vignette structure is that it's really kind of like hard to kind of remember where you're at, like kind of in retrospect. Like I, I just remember vaguely after this, they get in trouble for cheating. Is that what happens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was another weird thing that didn't really need to be in there. So they arranged to steal the um the answers for an exam they're all taking the omega frat swap it in the trash so that by the time they go and steal it from the dumpster it's the wrong test key and they give it out to all the frat members they memorize the answers write it all down and obviously get everything wrong so they're like it i guess it's meant to be like a kind of prank wars thing of being like the rivalry between these two is still going on but yeah, it was. I didn't even make a note about that. It was very forgettable. Yeah, I mean, like e- even the next scene where the where the like the toga scene was probably re. It was really really, um, kind of qu- quintessential for the film because you know it's got such a big cultural like it's, it's so in the cultural zeitgeist. It's iconic. Yeah. I would yeah. say the scene is iconic, and I yeah. did enjoy it, actually. Yeah. Um. But again, it, it's it's like you you're getting like these really strong vignettes that are just yeah again bookended by these really a lot weaker ones that just kind of like yeah it, it does kind of get drowned in and and how how much is packed into it yeah it's just 
I guess maybe it's trying to feel like a bit of a whirlwind because it's like, oh, the lives of these frat bros is so crazy that they don't even know what's going on. So why should you? Uh, this film, but I think it- it's just like the case that the writers and directors thought of all these funny things that a frat could be getting up to and they wanted to put all of them in this film. Yeah. Uh, it, it kind of feels almost exhausting in a way. Like, it, like I, I think you're, I think maybe that's one of the things that they were kind of going for is like make you feel exhausted. Yeah. But it, it, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of hard to go too deep into any of them really. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, they're lacking depth. There's, yeah. They are, I guess that's one of the reasons that I was kind of bored by this film. Everything that happens is happening at face value. Yeah. The Dean is literally like rubbing his hands together in evil genius glee. And our heroes are literally just the sum of the archetype that they're representing. There's not even like an extensive amount of dialogue. It's very much a visual kind of comedy thing. But... I mean, again, I can see why it's so key. I can see elements of Anchorman in this. It's got bits of The Hangover. It's got bits of, again, Accepted. It's just, like, I can, I could see bits that reminded me of films from since this was released to now, yeah. which might not be the best thing in the world because, you know, a lot of those, the movies that emulate this have the same problems as this film has. But... I can see why, because the visuals are so iconic that it's like, yes, I want to emulate this in my movie. But then you watch it and it's like, I don't know who any of these characters are. I don't know what's going on in this story. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know that this is a National Lampoon film, which I yeah. I, I know that it was a magazine at one point. Yeah, like, um, but, but what uh, else are National Lampoon films? I'm not oh, actually uh, sure. Family Vacation, uh, American Pie, I believe is also. Oh, that so- explains a lot. But again, I think they all were built off this. This is, I think, was like the big tentpole film for them. Like that kind of like started it all. Um, but again, it's it does feel really disoriented. I mean, kind of moving quickly through the rest of the vignettes, it just like like again, you've got what they they try to go pick up some girls at a at a women's university women's college but do it in this really fucked up way yeah fucked up way by just kind of um, pretending he was there to date a girl who he'd seen in the obituaries who'd passed away at that school yeah to get her friends to feel bad enough to go out with him and his friends yeah that that yeah really fucked like they go to a um a african-american bar and like I like I it, it's, it looks like a uh, like it's I think it's meant to just be like a like a jazz club or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's meant to be like a jazz club. But yeah, I, I, again, we touched on that earlier. It plays up. It just plays up just race. It's and like oh the, yeah, yeah, obviously these black people are going to be thuggish and threatening and threaten them with knives. Yeah, but which fuck's sake, man. I again, I think that uh, at the end of that scene, just a, I think it was kind of almost just a lead up for the 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 comedy of just the car getting destroyed uh, like yeah like it, it that felt like a more of an important aspect of this whole sequence than anything leading up to it I don't know it just again it it, it just feels so dis, dis like this whole sequence just feels so disorient uh, disorienting yeah and, and, and just discon- I mean it's so it's so disjointed that we've actually skimmed over the um 
the scene where they're getting like in university prosecuted for breaking the oh, rules yeah. and stuff that's actually before because the last note i took i gave up taking notes on this film because Oive, really um and my last note was about them going to the women's college and using the dead girl as a way to get in but the bit about the bit where they get like all their stuff confiscated which again is a pretty funny visual is before that the trial thing and everything like that is before that and that's we get to know a bit more about the character well especially um what was the nice guy's name hoover yeah we get to know hoover a bit better in that like courtroom scene we get to kind of see a bit more about how the dean is like treating them unfairly and we get to see a bit more of the like frat house dynamic between them and how they're all there to support each other but again it's it's in a very abstract way and it just it's just of them like hooting and hollering and making comments and stuff and then humming the national anthem as they walk out which again is a pretty fun visual i did enjoy it um but then it's the bit where they're getting all their stuff confiscated and they like there's like a fish tank that's a mermaid's boobs and there's a there's a cow there's a whole live cow being dragged out and they're taking all their alcohol and everything like that is being taken out of their really rundown frat house and being taken away in a van which is very sad but again it's just one of those other like small seemingly random vignettes that's just skimmed over and we lose it in amongst the chaos of everything else that's going on and it's in response to that that they're like let's go on a road trip and that's when they go to the women's college yeah i mean and then it it, it does just kind of like i can remember small slapstick moments from these scenes that are that really kind of like are highlighted that yeah like like it's just playing up that physical comedy yeah really and like specifically when they're pulling uh, uh, pulling stuff out of the ha- uh, like house bluto just downing a, a fifth yep. uh, fifth of jack impressive yeah yeah like uh, it, i feel it, bad for uh, john belushi i mean what was it that he had to neck it wasn't jack daniels but what did he have to drink that was the same color as was, jack daniels it was john belushi it could have been jack daniels Okay, yeah, I'll give you that one. Because like, he, he was a notorious party hound. I, I, I do wonder if he, if he, like the whole entire film, he was just drunk. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I, I'm sure that mostly everybody in this film was drunk or high when they were acting. Yeah, but well, if there's that much alcohol around the set, why not? Yeah, for <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, as long as you work, yeah, whatever. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, but again, kind of moving on, th- this... Like even like the the only like the scene when they get back to the college with the broken car is just just feels like a setup for that last scene when they get kicked out. You yeah, know? and it, it it that I feel like the car has more character because you're kind of built it like yeah you, you you've kind of got the story of the car it's it's kind of, like Flander got uh, is borrowing it. They use him to, uh, they use him to take take them places and then but the car gets damaged it's got i don't know it just feels like it's got a bit yeah. more context the to car it than has a, lot a of good a good backstory arc the car yeah. has an arc in this film it's the only character that gets an arc well uh, a really deep one but, no yeah. i know it's it's just funny um but then obviously they get they go to a meeting with the dean they've all failed um with bluto getting the lowest is it a gpa uh, the, yeah. GPA, yeah, of of zero point zero, 
Uh, so they've all failed. Out and of four, if you're British, it's a GPA is out of four. I don't know what it is. Um, so a four point oh GPA is you've got nothing but A's. Yeah, no, I, 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 I again, I've seen enough of these American films that I know a four point is like the best you can get, or like the top grade or whatever. I don't know what any of it means. I don't know what. How is it only four? Why not do it in percentages like a normal person? But that's beside the point. <laughs> anyway, they've all failed. And so uh, as per the conditions of their secret double probation, they are thrown out of the college. So they begin plotting their revenge and we get sort of a montage of them doing up the car and doing various things and um, gearing up towards this homecoming parade. Yeah, I do think that this is probably one of the most memorable like sequences in the whole film is just this this ending like like the whole ending scene the whole images with the floats i think this is also one of the more parodied aspects of the film as well like i can think of so many like different shows that that um have kind of used this dynamic like the like the dynamic um but i also do think that some of these bits are the most cinematic of the whole film like they use they use a lot more perspective shots they use a lot more low angles to highlight what's going on they like also like they also use a lot more high angles and like in terms of like the marching band and stuff like that and then i mean realistically like you also have have point of view shots which just kind of really really immerse you but all in all, I do think that I think a lot of the budget for the whole film went to this scene and like it it kind of shows. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, it goes back. I said earlier, like how I like the sets and stuff, because a lot of them are inside. And if they were kind of not very dynamic, you'd get a bit claustrophobic with a film that's mostly interior shots. This is you know, the whole last sequence is outside. So maybe it just lends itself more to these um, kind of more dynamic and more interesting cinematic shots yeah. that you're talking about. Um, this, for, you know, for a comedy film, this was the first time that I laughed. I genuinely laughed at the bits of this sequence because they were just absurd. And there are some excellent visuals in here. Like, just the part where... Um, I can't even remember what character it is that grabs the baton off the... Um, I don't remember either. It's one of them, anyway. He grabs the, like, baton off the kind of marching band's, like, leader, like, shoves him out of the way and then leads the band <laughs> up an alleyway. And it's just the most absurd because it's so smoothly done and it's just the most beautiful because... It's it's that kind of comedy that relies on several assumptions that are also very funny. It relies on you assuming that the band are stupid enough to follow this guy. And that he's just like, you know, so blasé enough that he's able just to pull this off and just walk them into this alleyway. And it's just this it's, it's this brilliantly absurd visual and I love it. I, it made me laugh a lot. It's, yeah, I really... Because they've kind of been building up to this style of like big physical gag, and I I really appreciated it. So then there's that that's really funny, and then they uh, obviously are starting to drive their 
cake float which they've built around the car that they wrecked up to the parade. Yeah. Now, while like driving a car at groups of people isn't a great look, um, you know, it, given a lot of events of recent years, that made me feel kind of uncomfortable. But again, that's me watching it as like a modern audience. Uh, you just get the kind of it's just general chaos. I think I was actually expecting the scene to ha- for them to have more of a plan. I thought they were gonna like get their float into the parade and then like wreck it in a more symbolic way of the dean being like i said they couldn't be in the parade and now they're in it being anarchist but no they literally just ram it and break it to pieces and destroy it yeah i i (laughs) I, I do think that it yeah again it just felt like chaos i the one thing i really really liked at the very end was the little title cards saying yes where they ended up yes that was that was a really good way to end it and yeah. also is very much parodied in so many other films yeah um, i loved it i thought it was so good the best one though senator and uh and mrs belushi yeah or, or, or senator or, or mrs blue Blut- 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 blutowski Blut- yeah blutowski or whatever yeah. his name is that was very funny especially yeah. considering he literally just kidnapped her which was a bit awkward but that was really good it's like it's just like oh he becomes an editor for national lampoon or he got killed by his own troops in vietnam what an asshole and then it's like yeah you know this guy who the one who got like a naught point naught on his gpa he's a senator now (laughs) i love that yeah Yeah, and i i guess the the title cards thing the one that that brings to mind for me is probably the first time I saw an Animal House reference was in that episode of The Simpsons that references it. Yeah. Does the title card thing at the end and the title card for Homer is like, Homer watched Animal House that night. He went to work the next day wearing a toga. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) I love it. Given all this, how'd you rate the film? Uh, I can't really rate it very highly because... The last sequence, it, it did make me smile. And there's a lot to be said for the really like high quality kind of vi- visual comedies. And there's a lot that can be said for how well this film did on like a really small budget. You looked into that briefly. Uh, what was it? Like a $3 million budget or something stupid? Yeah, and it ended up grossing like $141 million. Insane. Insane. But yeah, it like they've done really well on a small budget like everyone's kind of the like physical comedy and the kind of the facial expressions and the like playing into these kind of comedic archetypes for these like characters was really good but it's just it's a film like this it was a i was bored by it it wasn't very entertaining because of how it was broken up into all those vignettes um there was no like through line or like story to root for and uh karen hill was underused i like her she should have been in it more and also just all of the like racist and homophobic and sexist stuff throughout the movie just is it it was it was so off-putting to me that i couldn't enjoy it i'd give this film a three fair enough Um, how about you i would definitely rate this a five just because of how influential it has been in modern comedy I mean, yes, there's problematic aspects to it, but I do think, you know, as long as you put those into modern context and kind of, like, remember that, I do think that this is a good, just easy watching film. And I do think that you, you like, there are definitely good take takeaways from it. Like, there's a lot of other films 
that I think could learn from aspects of it, but I, I yeah, it, but it does have its it does have its detractors. But I mean, I I don't know. I do really quite like this film. And for mm-hmm. some for so it, it just for sheer nostalgia, even. Yeah, I guess but, I just don't have that nostalgic yeah. attachment to it. Yeah, but overall, yeah, I'd I'd give it a five. Yeah, cool. So fair enough. Laura, what are we uh, going to be watching next week? Next week, we are going to be looking at Marvel's Ant-Man and the Wasp because um, we don't have Ant-Man on DVD, but we have Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> so we're just covering the sequel, which should be fun, I think. Yeah. Our first Marvel movie. Yep. That sounds good. Hope you enjoyed our show. Thanks for listening. Bye. Music was Potato Deal by Craig MacArthur. The photo used for our cover is by Rodolfo Clicks. Audio editing's by Ryan DeRoges, and this podcast was produced by Laura and Ryan DeRoges. Find us on Twitter at All's Fair Podcast, on Instagram at All's Fair and Love and Film, or email us at all's fair and love and film at gmail.com. 